Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Have patience with me and I will pay you off. No, you won't because you can't. It's impossible for you to pay that debt. Then verse 27, the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. There it is. This gracious king in an insurmountable debt. So the guy could not pay. Now, all he could do is beg. All he could do is look at the debt and say, sir, I cannot do anything. Have patience with me and I'll pay. No, no, you won't because you can't. He's at the mercy of a king. And what does the king do? The king has compassion. And the king forgives him of his debt. Now, I want you to understand what we're seeing here. We're seeing a picture of what salvation is like, isn't it? We're seeing a picture of what it's like when you and I owe a debt to God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Now, Jesus is not teaching about salvation in this text. So don't get too carried away with it. But Jesus is telling us, and he's helping us understand, that the debt that you and I owe to God is like what this guy owes to the king. There's no way we can pay it. It is impossible for us to come up with the cash. We can't even liquidate our assets to come up with an inch of it. Amen? And so what's happened is that we have to, as believers in Jesus Christ, when we realize our sin debt before God, we can do nothing in and of ourselves but beg for the mercy of God. And let me tell you something. God is a merciful God. He is full of compassion and kindness. And not based on anything you and I could ever do for him, not by any way that we could ever pay for the, the, the grace that he's going to give us, gives us grace. And he calls us into a relationship with himself. What a great and wonderful picture. Now, I say that because, listen, I want you to understand something. That's going to apply to us. But I want you to understand something. To this servant, we don't want to get too carried away about salvation. Because, listen, at the end of the parable, that servant is going to be thrown into the torturers. And have people come after me at service and say, oh, there it is. Talking about losing your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. You can't. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Siri. It's like... <laughs> Lord, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. It's been that kind of day, hasn't it? Tim was telling me, he said, bro, what is it? We, we met each other on, on the way, you know, coming here, and he said, hey, brother, I'm just going to tell you, it's been a chaotic day. You know, those things happen, don't they? They do. So we're going to make the best of it, all right? Siri, you shut up. Let me do the teaching. But, but you understand what I'm saying? So when we begin to think about forgiveness and offering forgiveness to other people, it starts with understanding how much God has forgiven you. See, what should have happened is this servant, when he realized the gracious gift that he has just been given by the relief of this debt that he could not pay, no matter how patient the king was, he could not pay, it should have done something for him. But in the reality, it did nothing. It cleared his credit report, but his heart was still cluttered. His heart had a, had a FICO score of 500 Amen. I mean, think about that. But it's not that Jesus is not teaching salvation here. He's teaching forgiveness. But when you understand how deeply you've been forgiven, you're more willing to offer forgiveness to other people. 
And that's the point of what Jesus is saying. You and I just don't have the money issue going on here. We have a spiritual issue going on. And that's why I wanted to make that bridge to that gap in this verse. Now, move back into the text. Because you move in the scene too, beginning, he says to us in verse 28. But notice what happens. The servant gets his great debt forgiven. And then it says, but that servant... The one who has been forgiven went out and found one of his fellow servants. Now, please don't misunderstand the text. What Jesus is saying is, here's what this guy did. He leaves the king's presence, uh, forgiven, blessed, wonderfully blessed, goes out. And what does he do? He finds, he goes and looks for somebody who owes him money. What a scoundrel. He's looking for trouble. It's not that he's bumped into him in the, in the roadway and said, oh, by the way. You owe me some money. (laughs) No, he went looking for him. And so it says here in verse 28, he went out and he fell to his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. Listen, if the guy made a buck a day, that's a hundred days wages. That's a simple way to understand it, okay? This is 100 days wages. So when you begin to think about talents versus denarii, it's a drop in the bucket. That's why I call it an insignificant debt. It's a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. All right? When you think about the two, it's nothing. And what does he do? Listen to how bad this guy is. He, he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. And Jesus' point in the text is when he says, you pay me what you owe. I mean, this guy is infuriated because somebody owes him 100 bucks and he just got relief of a $256 million debt. Let me tell you something, folks. That's a wicked heart. Amen? But Jesus is about to make the parallel to us. Jesus is about to say to us, hey, don't be that guy. But you know what I find? Sometimes I'm that guy. You know? It disturbs me when I read the text now and I go, man, I'm that guy. Sometimes I'm that guy, Ed. That's scary, isn't it? I've been forgiven such a great debt by the creator of the universe that I did nothing to deserve it. He found me in New Jersey of all places and saved me and redeemed me when I was a lost teenager. Bound for hell, but he, in his graciousness, turned my life around and now he's using me to preach the gospel. I mean, come on, God, why would you do that when you know that sometimes I'm going to be this guy? But Jesus tells the stories like this to remind us, don't be that guy. And if you're that guy, repent. Don't be him. Amen? And so Jesus says to us in the text, he says, going on in verse 29, so his fellow servants, or his fellow servant rather, fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you off. It's the same exact words that he used to the king. Hey, just give me time. I'll pay the debt, I promise. Just give me time. What does he do? Well, notice the text. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He said, perhaps this man had the legal right to throw the man into prison, but he did not have the moral right. He had been forgiven himself. Should he not forgive his fellow servant? How is it that we as brothers and sisters in Christ can have received from God this glorious salvation, this forgiveness that God has given us not on our merit, but strictly out of his grace, and yet turn around and be unforgiving toward one another. How can we do that? 
It's, listen, it's an insignificant debt that somebody owes me when they've wronged me. Doesn't feel insignificant, but it is insignificant. When I think about the debt I owed to God. And after all, by the way, my debt cost his son his life. Scene three really takes a turn. Because scene three, it goes all back to where it began. Notice in the text, pick up with me. In the text, verse 31 So here's the fellow servants, right? So the fellow servants saw what had been done. So this guy didn't take the guy in private. He's done this in public. He traced, tracked him down, brought him out in public, grabbed him by the throat, threatened him in public, and the other servants saw that. Now I want you to notice the response of the other servants. They were what? They were grieved. Does it not kill a church atmosphere when two brothers are going at each other and they're unforgiving? Does that not grieve you in your heart? Does that not make you upset? Does that not hurt the church? I'm going to tell you it does. It does. When, you're, when two people in the church are unforgiving towards one another, it hurts the church. And here are the fellow servants, right? The idea is the other brothers and sisters are gathered around and they see what's going on and it grieves them. But let me tell you what these brothers and sisters did. They want to fix the problem. So they take it to the master. They take it to the king. So notice what happens. They take it to the king and they said, then, uh, so, so that was verse 31 again. And so when the fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, right, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? There it is. There's the point. I should be forgiving because of all that God has forgiven me. Amen. Amen. Should you not? I mean, can you just hear the words of God saying to us when we are unforgiving? Should you not, Mike, be forgiving after all? Look what I have done for you. I mean, I can just hear God saying that to me. I mean, really, I can. I can hear God saying that to me. And, and so he goes on in the text, and notice, notice what happens. It says, and then his master, verse 34, was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So now he's not only going to jail, he's going to be tortured. He's going to be chastised. Now, here's where people misinterpret the text, and they say, well, here it is, a Christian losing his salvation. It's not a Christian. This is a servant who's a wicked servant who's using an illustration, who received a great, great, wonderful grace of debt relief and yet did not do anything towards his fellow servant. But you and I, we've been forgiven a debt, not a financial debt, a spiritual debt. So what is God going to do to you as a believer if you're unforgiving? What is, that's a good question we need to ask ourselves. Well, I can answer that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. He says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And listen to this, and scourges, doesn't that sound like torture? And scourges every son whom he receives. Don't think God can't take you to the woodshed. You hear me? God can take you to the woodshed. Amen? Listen, the, the Association of Pediatrics in America have just come out with an article saying, you should no longer spank your children. 
That's a bad thing. Let me tell you something. God still pulls the peach limb, amen? God will still pull it off the tree. He will still whip his children, amen? Now, he may not do it physically. We know, you understand what I'm saying. But God disciplines those whom he loves. And God will do that. I mean, what do you think the whole thing John's talking about, the sin unto death? That's a punishment that God gives. Paul, we get an image of that in Paul when he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he's talking about the, last, the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. And he said, why were some of them sick and some of them were dead? Because God judged them. Because they were misappropriating, mis- mistreating the Lord's Supper. Why is it Ananias and Sapphira fell dead? Let me tell you something. You better take note. God does chasten those whom he loves. Amen? He really does. Now, my sermon's not meant to scare you. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to help you understand. Don't be unforgiving. Now, notice how Jesus sums it up. Jesus brings it to a conclusion. So I'm just calling this the principle of the parable. Notice the principle of the parable, verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you, and here it is, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Don't you just love it when kids fight? Our twins, they fight sometimes at home, and, and sometimes we're like, you know, hey, hey, you need to stop. You break them up, and you get them to calm down, and here's what I say. Now tell your sister you're sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're not. That wasn't sincere. Right? So here's what we're saying. Jesus is not saying, listen, so you know I'm asking you that you ought to forgive. So Jesus is not saying, don't just say, well, I forgive you, but never mean it. Right? It comes from the heart. Listen, what's the heart? The heart is the seat. The heart is the seat of your intellect, the seat of your emotion. Listen, so what Jesus is saying is you have to mean what you say. And where does forgiveness begin anyway? It begins in here. And when I'm unforgiving, listen, I I put myself in a prison here as well. So what do I do? I, from the heart, I, from in here, I sincerely forgive here before I can even go to Tim and say, brother, I forgive you. It has to begin here. Amen? So the question becomes, what do we do with it? How do we apply the principle? How do we apply what we've learned today? Well, I like what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. (laughs) Here's how we ought to apply it in the church. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If that's not enough, listen to what he says in Colossians 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. So we follow the example of our Savior who has brought us salvation and we forgive each other. So the question is, in all reality, when I hear stuff like that, I go, okay, preacher, I hear what you're saying. I get the point. I ought to be forgiving. I've been forgiven. But what does that look like practically? How do I do that practically? Because I, I do believe that we're human and sometimes we do struggle with this forgiveness issue. So what are some things that I can do practically? Well, let me give you four and I'll be done. Number one, number one, give your hurt and your pain to the Lord. He can heal you. See, here's the problem with when we get offended. Here's here's the problem when something happens to us. We seethe on it. 
We get alone, and we think, well, tell you what, let me just tell you what. Or we tell everybody we can get, well, let me tell you what John did to me. And we just go through this whole list of what happened, and we begin to seethe it, and we begin to let it grow, and it grows even more in our heart. And what happens is it becomes not just we've been hurt, now there's our bitterness in our heart. And that bitterness turns to anger. Let me tell you something. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? The Bible says, why? And give place to the devil. You know why some people that you have in churches that are unforgiving people and they're hard-shelled and they never will forgive? You know why? Because somewhere along the path, something's happened to them and rather than deal with it, it grew into bitterness that grew into anger and the devil found a place in. And now they're hard. They're hard. I pray for people like that. Number two, maybe we need to rehearse to ourselves what Christ has done for us. There's nothing wrong with revisiting the gospel. Amen? We should constantly go back to the gospel. We should constantly be going back to what our gracious Father has done for us. Number three, write it down. Volitionally make the choice to forgive the other person. Sometimes you just got to do it. Amen? Yeah, but you have to make the steps toward it. You have to volitionally, you have to choose to do that. You have to intentionally say, this is where I'm heading. I am going to forgive. Does it happen overnight? Certainly not. Certainly not. You know? But it never happens if you don't do it volitionally. Number four, pray for the other person. Say, oh, oh preacher, <laughs> yeah, I'll pray all right. Yeah, read those imprecatory psalms in the, in the Old Testament. I'll pray all right. It's not what I'm talking about. Our Lord himself even said, bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who what? Despitefully use you. You ought to be praying for those. So it's not going to happen overnight, but let me tell you something. It only happens when we right here, right now, in this moment, today, say, if I have something unforgiving in my heart, Lord, it's yours. It starts right here, right now. Amen? I'm not asking you when you get home, you know, to think about it. To pray about it. Now I'm asking you right now, right here in this sanctuary, is there somebody, something that they've done to you in your heart that you're saying, I am not ever going to forgive them. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a Christian, that's not what God said. There are no limits, and you should not be putting a limit on that person and forgiving that person. Are you willing this morning to say, volitionally, God, I'm giving it to you. Heal my hurt. God, here it is. I'm making the choice to begin to start forgiving that person today. Listen, if you don't open up your heart, listen, if you don't open up your heart, Christian, you're going to become bitter. You're going to become bitter. God's not going to use a bitter Christian. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.